And no wonder the scripture says how beautiful it is when they bring good news. The feet of those who come over the hillside and run the message down of what happened in the battle or what happened, you know, period, just news. Now we have the good news and we are to be heralds of not just the good news, the good news. We are to proclaim the word and it's rightfully pro uh, translated proclaim announce, preach, and we're to do that. How are they going to hear if we don't proclaim? We must proclaim, and it involves public proclamation, and it also involves private proclamation. Not in the sense of in a corner, but just simply telling people the good news. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study in the book of Romans, and Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, The Priority of Proclamation. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. You think about it. Uh, you mean Maybe you've seen that picture of the celebration, I think it's in the streets of New York, when World War II was over. And everybody was celebrating, and the news had come. And you hear stories during that time of those who, how they found out the news, you know, and how it spread from person to person, even in a day of mass media. It's still, there's people who didn't hear and people would tell, and some didn't hear and would still think the war was on until somebody brought them the good news. Well, we have the good news from God. God sent His Son. He didn't send His Son to judge the world, but to save the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That's good news. That's what we call glad tidings. And we're to proclaim it. We're to herald it. What's... Uh, What's the most important thing that's ever happened to you? Personally, if you're a Christian, you're not talking about when you met your wife. Oh, that might be up there in the top five, you know. But you're not talking about the time you landed your career. If you really know Jesus Christ, immediately when I ask the question, what's the most important thing, you immediately go to the real issue. I found Jesus Christ. I remember when they told me. Or I remember how often I rejected that until I did hear it. Or, but you remember finding Christ. You remember Him finding you. You remember coming to know Jesus Christ. What's the most important thing you could do for any other person? It's obvious. It's obvious. That's the natural expression of the Christian life. You come to know God. You have your sins forgiven. You're not going to live for just another 20 years, not just another 50 years. You're going to live for eternity with Him. All the purpose and meaning and fulfillment of life will find its fulfillment in your relationship with God forever. What's the most important thing you'd do for anyone else? Introduce them to Christ. Point them to Christ. Proclaim the Savior to our generation. That's why John's epistle begins with these words. This is the message we've heard from Him, and we announce to you that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and those who walk in the light will not stumble. They'll walk and they'll be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And he goes on and writes his whole letter. This is the message we've heard and we announce. That's the natural, the natural expression of the Christian life. And then notice the last question. How shall they preach unless they are sent? 
a formal recognition of why he left us here. A formal recognition of why he left us. Why did he leave us here? We're here for the cause of his glory made known through Jesus Christ. And we're here to tell others. And so he says, how are we going to tell them if we don't send them? Jesus was the sent one. Thirty-five times in the in John's gospel alone, he is referred to as the sent one. In this is love, John writes in his epistle. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and did what? Sent his son to be the satisfaction for our sins. In Hebrews 3, he's called the apostle, the sent one, and the high priest of our confession. He's not only the sent one, but he sends all who follow him. He said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now, I know that officially he sent the apostles, and there's a sense in which he commissioned the sent ones like Paul and others, and they were very cognizant of this, and they had a special commissioning. They were sent, but don't try to limit his commissioning to just them. When he prayed in John 17, listen to what he prayed. He prayed, verse 18, As thou didst send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Someone says, well, he's just talking about those early guys. No. He says, I don't ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word. As, as you've sent me, Father, I'm sending them. And I'm not praying for just these guys here or this first generation. I'm praying for all those who believe in me through their word. That includes me and you. We've been sent. And so it was the resurrected Christ who said, as I have been sent, I also send you. When he gathered his men together at the end, what did he tell them? He said, listen, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, and as you're going, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. As his last words in Matthew. You turn to Luke and his last words are, I want this good news to go out and I want forgiveness of sins proclaimed in my name to all the nations. We've been sent just as he was sent. And the church today is still sending the gospel out. We're sending missionaries out. We're sending the gospel out any means we can. The healthy church is the sending church. It is a distortion of Christianity to merely guard the gospel and treasure it like we're supposed to and not give it out, not send it. A healthy church is a sending church. I wish I had it. Maybe I'll have it next time because I want us to read it. I want us to hear it. But we got an email from the Spask Church, and uh, it was such a joy to hear them as Don, who's Don and Elizabeth, as they're headed for Africa, but Don was over there teaching the Scripture to them, and they wrote back a warm letter of encouragement regarding Don, and they put a box up in the church, Mission to Africa, and they were happy to report that more was given out of their poverty for Africa than for their own needs in their local church. And that's a good sign of what God's doing in their hearts. We've been sent, and we should be sending. Now notice, look at the text. All this. 
this sending, this proclaiming that results in hearing, that results in believing, that results in salvation is beautiful to God. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. This is near and dear to the heart of God. He sent His Son. What do you think is gripping His heart today? It's this message. It's this commission. Now, we need to hear this. We need to think on this because the world is constantly telling us what's beautiful. The world has its beautiful people, doesn't it? The 50 most beautiful people. I saw in the grocery lineup, you know, as I'm trying to get my groceries. And they've got one of them on the cover, and then you want to go look in the magazine to find the other 49 most beautiful. And it's going to be, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be a list and a, of an outward shell that's so often empty inside. The idea of beauty. God says what's really beautiful. Who is really beautiful? It's those who give themselves to the greatest cause of all. Those who follow the sent one and become fishers of men. That's what's beautiful in his eyes. God Almighty says beautiful feet are those that take the gospel out here and abroad. Beautiful people are evangelists and those support troops who stand with them here and abroad. Missionaries who leave home and forsake all to take the gospel out where it's needed, where people haven't heard. Uh, that's what's beautiful in God's eyes. Now, just look at verse 14 and 15. And uh, let, me, let me just kind of ask the questions again. But I remember it's not me asking them. This is God's word. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. Now I want to raise some questions. And uh, there's many more than I can raise in this morning, but I want us to at least let this simmer in and sink in. First of all, Proclamation and sending. It's central to what we're to be doing. It's our marching, our marching orders. Go, tell. That's what he told us to do. This gospel, take it, make disciples of all the nations. And when he says that, he's not talking about the political states of the first century or the 21st century. He's talking about a worldwide purpose that you'll find best represented in the language of Revelation when he says tribes and tongues and peoples and nations. I'm going to have people there from all. In fact, heaven is going to be full of praise to God. Thou art worthy because you've purchased for God. You're the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ will be the focus. You're the Lamb who purchased for God with your own blood people from every tribe and tongue and peoples and nations. Now, the scholars try to debate what does that mean, does each dialect or what, and it's hard to define. Let me just say this. We use the term, and I think rightfully today, people groups. 
who have distinguishable, you know, language and cultural backgrounds, and there's more than we can shake it. You know, they're all over the world, and there's a great mission to get the gospel to the people groups. And I can tell you, young person, if God calls you to go to a people group, you can't find one where he doesn't have his own people there to be saved, where he doesn't have an eternal mission for you. There will be people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation who will be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And we're commissioned to go tell them they can't believe if they haven't heard. And they won't hear unless we tell them. And we need to be sent. And that's what he's saying here. Oh, there's no higher calling. I've got other sheep. Not of this flock, Jesus said. When he, uh, when he was speaking in John 10, and, and primarily he's telling Israel, my purpose isn't just limited to you. I've got other sheep, and I must call them too. And they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock. And he's speaking of all the nations, not just the nation Israel, but all the nations and all the tribes and all the tongues. And uh, he's going to get that gospel out, and we're part of that. We're the human element of that. It's amazing to think about. Secondly, we're never more Christ-like. We are never more Christ-like than when we are sending and going and proclaiming. That's what He came to do. God so loved that He sent His Son. And then Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to ask the Father and He will send another. God the Father's heart, God the Son is sent, God the Holy Spirit is sent, to proclaim this good news, to focus our attention on His Son, Jesus Christ. We are never more Christ-like. We're never more like the heart of God than when we as a church are using every resource we can to get the gospel out. The good news of glad tidings. You, apart from the congregation, apart from what everybody else is doing with their money and their time, you are never more Christ-like than when you determine to use your energies, your time, your money, for the cause, not of your comfort, not of your retirement, not of your ease, not of just temporal things, but of that which lasts forever. What a joy to be part of it and to be Christ-like in that way. And you know, you say it's a daunting task, and I, I confess, when I think of the task, I, I'm a pessimist. I tend to be, how can I, how could we do that? How could we? But he said, I'll be with you. Lo, I am with you always. And all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is God's eternal purpose he's, he's, he's accomplishing. Go, make disciples, and I'll be with you, even to the end of the age. We've got his assurance on it. And oh, how many Christians, how many missionaries have found great comfort in clinging to that truth. When he calls us to things, he calls us to that which we can't do on our own. We can't change one heart. We can't. Uh, with all our methods and money and everything else, we can't begin to change one heart. He's the one who does that. But He uses us, and He said, I'm going to be with you. And I've given my Holy Spirit. You wait here in town, He said, until you're clothed with power from on high. And when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, then you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the world. That's why I'm sending my Holy Spirit to empower you to witness. Third, and these aren't in any particular order, but these are things that flow from these questions in my heart and in my mind. Personal evangelism. There is no higher thrill than communicating Jesus Christ to a fellow human. 
a sinner who needs salvation just like you did. And as I said, the most important thing in your life is Christ. The most important thing you can do this week, this year, this lifetime, is to proclaim Jesus Christ. How are they going to hear if we don't tell them? And you say, well, I'm no evangelist. Listen, we can be involved in any number of ways. There is no thrill. I repeat it like really communicating the gospel. And I was convinced for years of my Christian experience that that was for somebody else. I was too shy, and I turned into a bumbling, nervous wreck trying. But when I forced through that in obedience to His command, I found that God could even use me to communicate Christ to others. He's pleased to use weak vessels. He can use, in fact, that's the only kind He really can use, broken vessels, ones who recognize that He's the power source. When's the last time you invited someone to just come with you and hear? That's how many of you came to Christ. Someone brought you here. And yet sometimes we don't even take the effort to say, why don't you come to church? I'll pick you up so that they can hear the gospel and be saved. Bring them to the class. Bring them to, that's how so many of us would relate back and say, that's what it took. It, all it took was someone to bring me, come alongside. And I heard the gospel. I read it through this means or that means. Do whatever we can to bring people to the good tidings, the glad tidings. You know, every activity of the church, every activity of Christians should be tied to this ultimate cause. Now you say, ultimate cause? Yes, ultimate cause. You know, in, in Peter, he says, we've all received a special gift and we're to employ it in serving one another. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him serve as by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Yes, the chief end of man, the highest purpose is to bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And nothing so glorifies God as the salvation of sinners. We're going to be on display as objects of His grace, trophies of His grace throughout eternity. And we have the privilege in everything we do. And I want to remind you of that. Everything we do should be tied to the commission He's given us. How are they going to hear if we don't tell them? It's not enough just to distribute the Bible. It's in every hotel room. That's great. That's good. But there's a lot of people who need to be asked, do you understand what you're reading? How could I unless somebody opens it up for me? Well, let me explain it to you. It's not enough just to translate the Scripture. Oh, I'm glad we're doing that. We need to do these things. But we need to go personally. And the emphasis here in Romans 10 is actually hearing it from the voice of those ambassadors that speak for Christ and open up the gospel. And there's no higher calling than to actually be involved in that. And everything we do from behind the scenes to upfront ministry should be tied to that commission, not just for this local area, but for the whole world. That's what God has called us to. You know, you, you can trace it right back even to very, very mundane things. He said, I want you to love each other. Why? Because by this, all men will know that you're my disciples. I want there to be unity. He prayed in John 17 twice for this love for one another, this unity that would be in the church so that the world might know that the Father sent the Son. Even a cup of cold water given in His name. When you visit an orphan and widow in her distress, 
which is true and undefiled religion, the Scripture says. We do so, and God ties it to the commission so that the world might know that Jesus is my son, that I sent him to die. They see the revolutionized lives, and they realize that this is the truth. And what shall I say when I think of missionary sending and giving and supporting and praying and communicating? We have a world in front of us. We have all these means. And Jesus said, look at the fields. They're white unto harvest. Oh, we should, we should be sending. Some of you have gone short term. Some of you should. Some are ready to go long term and they don't have the money. And the verse that comes to my mind and it's been burdening me for several months now is when he writes in Haggai, he says, is it time for you guys to have paneled houses while the house of God goes in disrepute and the exiles had come back and they were busy paneling their houses and getting everything just perfect and they were letting the house, the work of God go to pot. And I look at us as a church and I think, why is anybody ready to go, eager to get to the field where they haven't heard and they don't have the finances? Oh, I pray that we would send them. That we would send them. Beautiful feet are those who bring the good news. We've got beautiful homes. You can make your home beautiful by using it for the gospel. You can make your shoes, your clothes, the things we're always worrying about being beautiful. We can make them beautiful in God's eyes by devoting them to the cause of the gospel. So it's not wrong to have a nice home. Just use it for Christ. But let's keep our priorities and let's be sure that we're really... You can turn your cash, you can turn your stocks, you can turn your assets into beautiful assets if you'll finance the gospel with it. How beautiful it is in the sight of God. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. No one will be saved without calling on the name of the Lord. How are they going to call on him they haven't believed? How are they going to believe in him when they haven't heard? How are they going to hear if we don't tell them? And we need to send the gospel out. We need to commission missions. We need to commission missionaries. We need to work and strategize and do all we can to get the gospel out. And we will never regret it. We will never look back with regret for wasting our money or our time or our energies on the cause. I'm afraid we will look back. And even some of us now look and think, what in the world have we been doing? If God is speaking to your heart, don't settle for living your little life for your little self. God gave His Son for you and me. He's commissioned us to take the good news, to herald it, to proclaim it to our generation. been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, The Priority of Proclamation, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. 
The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us for our live online Sunday worship service at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. You can find us live on YouTube by searching for SW Bible Live or go to swbible.org and click on Live Stream. We also broadcast the service live on the radio on True Talk 800 a.m. It's best to check the 800 a.m. program guide for up-to-the-minute schedule adjustments. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. The gospel of Christ is an announcement. It's a report that we hear. And we've been given as Christians a message. It's a treasure that we're to guard and to proclaim. It's an announcement, and the guarding sense of it is that we're never to change it. We're never to allow you know, the changing tide of human opinion to kind of mush it around. And every generation is tempted to turn loose of the gospel and let it become some other gospel. But the glad tidings are entrusted to us from God. They're an announcement. They're a report. And we should, in one sense, read it to people. And that's what we do when we proclaim God's word. If you're given an announcement, you say, what's my job? Just get that announcement done. Well, I think I'll change it. I don't think people want to hear this. Well, they're supposed to hear this. That's, that's his job, not our job. You say, well, they don't all hear. In fact, quite most of them don't. That's not your concern. You get the gospel out. You get the announcement out. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Heed the Glad Tidings. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.